So for the second sermon today, you know, you got one kind of earlier about baptism there. Um, second sermon, we're going to be in John. But before we get there in John 10, um, it's also a birthday. I don't know if you knew this, big birthday. It is uh, the 17th birthday of this church. 17 years ago today was our first worship service at Spring Run Elementary School. And so Martha helped create some slides with some pictures. So let's see what the pictures are. Yes, our sign there on the corner uh, with our old logo. Go ahead to the next one. Um, here uh, on this picture, there's a few important things you should notice. One of our elders, Bruce McCloy, is right there in that, that dark blue colored shirt. Um, and in front of him is a four-year-old boy with long floppy blonde hair carrying his blanket. This is the one of whom I've spoken to you about before who had his blanket and we had to bribe with Skittles to get to go to children's worship and then just went as uh, for a week in mission service to a, to a Muslim uh, university to share the gospel where, where five people were converted. Uh, he came back safely. He didn't do all that, but him and his team. And so that's great. But here's where we started in a school like that. Okay, next slide. I don't know who those are. Don't even recognize those people. Um, seven years we spent in schools, 10 years this summer we've been in this building, 149 professions of faith, 150, because there's another one this morning, um, 83 reaffirmations of faith, which is people who kind of fell away from going to church and decided I'm coming back. Um, and, you know, there's just a lot of things that, that have happened uh, in the life of our church that we're so thankful for. And there's many others who have come to faith and reaffirmed faith as well, but never officially joined the church. So we don't have that statistic e easily handy to give you. Um, but from the beginning, we have made growing followers of Jesus who influence others with the gospel. And we all follow people, right? You follow somebody, I follow somebody, we all are followers. We follow people, it's what we do. Um, whose voices do you follow? Who do you respect and listen to? I mean, there's probably Instagram influencers that you follow. There's probably podcasts you follow or newscasters or radio personalities or authors that you like to read. And of course, there's God, right? We say we follow God, but at times do you get tired of listening to God's voice or reading his word? Maybe you've doubted his goodness in tough times. Perhaps the church just isn't doing it for you, just not giving you the fix you want, and you try something else out, you, you think, well, maybe this abundant life that I've heard spoken of can be found elsewhere, and so you meander down a different path. All kinds of questions. Questions, if I follow God, will God be good to me? Will he protect me? Or will he Will he get tired of me and push me out for what I've done in the ways I've wandered? Jesus addresses these things. Scripture addresses these things. Follow along with me. We are going to read in John, but we're going to start in Ezekiel because this is the backdrop to what Jesus does in John chapter 10. So Ezekiel, there's just a, all of Ezekiel 34, but we're only going to read a few verses of it. We're going to skip around in it. So Ezekiel 34 verses 2 to 4 says this, Son of man, prophesy against the shepherds of Israel. Prophesy and say to them, even to the shepherds, thus says the Lord God, Ah, shepherds of Israel who have been feeding yourselves, should not shepherds feed the sheep? 
You eat the fat, you clothe yourselves with wool, you slaughter the fat ones, but you do not feed the sheep. The weak you have not strengthened, the sick you have not healed, the injured you not, have not bound up, the strayed you have not brought back, the lost you have not sought, and with force and harshness you have ruled them. And then verse 11 of Ezekiel 34. I think there's another slide for that, right? Oh, you don't. Okay, well, let's go there. Let's go to 15 and 16. I myself will be the shepherd of my sheep, and I myself will make them lie down, declares the Lord God. I will seek the lost, and I will bring back the strayed, and I will bind up the injured, and I will strengthen the weak, and the fat and the strong I will destroy. I will feed them in justice. And then we go to John chapter 10, verses 1 to 18. Truly, truly, I say to you, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door, but climbs in by another way, that man is a thief and a robber. But he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him, the gatekeeper opens, the sheep hear his voice, and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought out all his own, he goes before them, and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. A stranger they will not follow, but they will flee from him, for they do not know the voice of strangers. This figure of speech Jesus used with them, but they did not understand what he was saying to them. So Jesus again said to them, truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. All who come before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not listen to them. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they might have life and have it abundantly. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. He who is a hired hand and not a shepherd, who does not own the sheep, sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees. And the wolf snatches them and scatters them. He flees because he is a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my own and my own know me. Just as the Father knows me and I know the Father and I lay, my, lay down my life for the sheep. And I have other sheep that are not of this fold. I must bring them also and they will listen to my voice. So there will be one flock, one shepherd. For this reason, the Father loves me because I lay down my life that I may take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down, and I have authority to take it up again. This charge I have received from my Father. Father, Son, and Spirit, we pray that you will bless the reading of your word this morning, and that you will help us to be sheep who listen to your voice. We ask in Jesus' name, amen. So Jesus gives us a lot of things here to consider. We can't consider everything that I just read in the passage today. I'm going to try to just focus in on a couple of things. The characteristics of sheep and characteristics of shepherds, distinguishing between good shepherd and bad shepherds. So first, characteristics of sheep is pretty simple in verses 3 and 4 there, which you don't have to look at. It just says, sheep know me, they listen to my voice, and they follow the shepherd. They know me, they listen to my voice, and they follow the shepherd. To know Jesus and his voice is to know his word, the Bible. Right? That, that's why you hear it. That's why we read it on Sundays. It's why if you're in a Bible study, we, we read the Bible. Even if you're studying another book, which is great about the Bible, you're still going back looking at the Bible. Because it's God's word. It is his voice to us. We need to read it. Soak it in. So that when difficult times and temptations come and swirl around you, you're able to recall scripture and be like, yes, this is what I remember to be true. I have a, had a few nights this week that I didn't sleep much. 
And uh, the way that kind of went was it would be like three or four in the morning and I would, whatever my dreams were, they would shift to, and I would be dreaming about work. But it was clearly a dream, like it wasn't real. But then it transitioned from not being real to actually like remembering things I needed to do about work and, and planning in, in a dreamed, like in a dreamlike state with eyes closed. But then my, my mind keeps going and spinning faster about reality and, uh, and so then I'm actually planning with my eyes closed, trying to go back to sleep, which isn't working. So then I just decide, might as well get up and start working because my brain's going. And I'm sure you've had similar ex- uh, experiences to that. Or maybe you have that frequently because you are more generally an anxious person. You know this anxiety. You know the, the racing thoughts or being constantly worried about something that needs to be done or hasn't yet been done or replaying conversations perhaps in your mind thinking of different things you could have said or should have said or wish you said or ruminating about an upcoming meeting with your boss or with your doctor to get medical evaluation or maybe even an unlikely doomsday event what do you do when you have those thoughts how do you handle that there's lots of things you can do and there's some behavioral things you can do that you can easily find when you Google those and those are helpful. I mean, things like, right, exercise help relieve stress. That's a good thing. So maybe getting in some exercise helps. Going for a walk can be helpful and maybe distract you when lots of anxious thoughts come your way. And if it's a sleepless night thing, when you're going to bed, they, everybody recommends try not to watch screens before bedtime. There's something about the light, something about getting you going, right? And you need to unwind rather than... Um, Uh, get your mind going with all the uh, stimulation from the screens. The other thing you can do is is simply just remind yourself that while while your brain is going, that that sometimes that's normal, right? It's like, okay, sometimes this is normal. My brain's going to do this, but this does not mean all of life is out of control. Take some deep breaths, relax. Like all those things, those are good things to do. And those are behavioral kinds of things, but there's also spiritual things we should do. And this is what I want to highlight for you. Because really none of those things, those behavioral things, are going to guarantee that you will get good sleep every night and never wake up, right? Because you're going to have to go to the bathroom, a kid's going to wake up screaming, there's going to be a thunderstorm, you're going to dream about your boss or something or whatever it is or work stress, and you're going to wake up sometimes, even if you do those behavioral things. So if that's going to happen, what do we do with that? Last summer in Belize, one of the pastors there and those who went on that trip will remember that he told us that when you wake up at 3 a.m., it's because God wants to talk to you. What a great opportunity when you can't sleep and your mind's going anyway. What a great opportunity to use that as a launch pad to have a good conversation with the Lord. Maybe just speak directly to the Lord. Say, Lord, my mind's going 100 miles an hour because I'm scared about this or I'm worried about this, or I don't know how to solve for this. And just admit that. Talk to God about it. Remember, this is the Lord who is my good shepherd, who will walk with me through my day tomorrow no matter how tired I am. It's the Lord who has faithfully watched over me and his people who does not slumber or or sleep, but his ear is always attentive to me, even in my sleepless nights. And you might think I'm kind of just stretching this, but I'm not. This is actually what scripture tells us. In Psalm 119 verses 147 and 48, it says this, I rise before dawn and cry for help. Before dawn. This is night, middle of night, right? I cry for help. I hope in your words. 
my eyes are awake before the watches of night, that I may meditate on your promise. Right? When, when you can't sleep, remember God. Meditate on his word. Maybe recite the Lord's Prayer to yourself or Psalm 23 or some other scripture you've memorized. I, I had another night where I woke up in, after preparing the sermon, and so I, I did this. And I was like, okay, God, this is what I'm feeling. And it, and it actually helped me go back to sleep. Now, I can't promise you that's going to happen every time because I've tried it before and prayed and I haven't gone back to sleep. But it did. But I think one of the things that it did help me to do was recognize that I can, I can rest in God. And even if I don't sleep, that's okay. God's got me. His hands are big enough that he's got me. I mean, think of it this way. One of two positive things is going to happen. Either you're going to wake up in the middle of the night and you'll be like, oh no, my brain's going. And you're going to fall back asleep and get a couple more hours of sleep, which is good. Or you're going to be awake and not fall back asleep, but you're going to get time with God to talk to him. God, this is what's going on in my life. Help me. I need your help. In the end, sleep, while it is important, learning to rest in your father's arms is even more important. Jesus, the sheep here, he says, my sheep know me, they listen to my voice. In the watches of the night, whose voice are you going to listen to? And he says, they follow the shepherd. To follow is to obey. One of the beautiful things about what is being said here is that this is, gives us this picture of repentance. The picture of repentance, the rhythm of the Christian life is one of repentance, right? Because even after we become Christians, even, even after, like Isaac professing faith today, even after we become Christians, we still struggle. There's times we're going to do things that are not right or wrong, and we may even wander down a path for days or weeks or months or longer and go, what am I doing? And if we go, I know Jesus, and I know his word, and I'm going to listen to his voice so I know what I'm doing is wrong, and I'm going to follow him, I'm going to turn around and go follow him. Right? This is the picture of repentance. It's like, okay, this is what I'm doing. I'm going down this path. I'm like, all right, Jesus, I know, I know. And to follow is to turn around and go, okay, Jesus, I'm walking in your ways. I'll obey you. That, that's repentance. That's when repentance happens is when you're turning and saying, okay, I'll follow you, God. It's not just believing in God, though it is, but it's turning from sin and following him, walking in his ways. You may say, but, but what, if, what if I stray? Yeah, that's a characteristic of sheep too. They stray sometimes. That's what we read in Ezekiel, right? That they're straying, that they were scattered, that they needed rescue. But also Psalm 119 that we just read from, it's the longest chapter in the Bible, by the way. It's 176 verses. And the last verse of it, the 176th verse says this, I have strayed like a lost sheep. Seek your servant, for I do not forget your commandments. Even there, after he's talking all about God's law and the goodness and beauty of it, he says, okay, but I've strayed too. I've gone astray like a lost sheep. And so he says, seek your servant. God, seek me, for I've not forgotten. Right? This idea of, yeah, you might lose your way, but turn around and come back. There's a popular show with younger people called Outer Banks. This older person has watched some of it. Okay, all of it. Um, I tried to catch up with my kids. And uh, Sarah Cameron, reflecting on the dysfunction, the betrayal, and the loss, asks this question. How far can you go down the wrong path before it is too late to get on the right one? It's a good question. 
You see, because the consequences of your actions are real and can leave a lot of damage and wreckage in life and can make it difficult to change course. A lot of things you have to undo and work through. But with Jesus, it's never too far to turn around. He is the good shepherd who finds the lost when they're at their worst, when they're at rock bottom. And you may have lots of wounds, but that's why his grace is overflowing and abundant. Because he can meet you there. And he will help you in that. Which leads us to talk about shepherds. Let's talk about the characteristics of shepherds here. We don't have much time left. But shepherds is a biblical metaphor. We just read about it. It's a biblical metaphor that refers to leaders of God's people. And it can refer to leaders as kings or as priests. So both state and church, right? And in in Old Testament, referred a lot to the kings as not being good shepherds. But here in John 10, Jesus is talking directly to the Pharisees. And so as he's talking to the Pharisees about this, he's also including the religious leaders who have not been good shepherds. So there's three things I want to point out quickly for you about good shepherds. A good shepherd provides life. In verse 10, we were told that he provides abundant life while the thief comes in to kill and destroy, right? And so that's that contrast. Bad, pe- bad shepherds are going to lead you to do what ends up, ends up being destructive in your life. The good shepherd will lead you to do what is beautiful and restorative, good for humanity. It doesn't mean you will never get sick or that you'll never die. We're all going to die. We live in a broken world with bodies that are wrecked by sin. So we're still going to struggle. We're still going to get diseases. We're going to die someday. One day there will be the new paradise, the new heaven and earth, where, where that won't happen anymore. And that's the forever place. And even while life may be cut short, we call it today, when somebody doesn't live to their fullest of years, and that is very difficult. It's only cut short here and now for, what, 80 years? When you have eternity that awaits. What Jesus is saying about life is not that you're going to have the best life here and now on earth. He's saying you have abundant life that is eternal life. And he is saying something about life here on earth. He is saying that life here on earth, if you walk in his ways and do what he's saying, is a way that when people do that together, makes humanity beautiful. He made us to be humans. He knows what it means to be human. He lived in human flesh. And he's saying, this is the way. Walk in my ways. Follow me. This is what makes life beautiful. And I wonder if our society, I know our society needs it. I wonder if our society is starting to discover this. We hear stories maybe of, of revivals that are breaking out, which I hope is true. But we also are seeing in our broader society the failure of materialistic world that we've tried to live in. To just say everything's about the here and now and just give me what I want. Let me do what's best for me. I'm going to be my own voice. We pursue things and status and identity thinking that's going to make us happier all the while the mental health crisis in America is the highest it's ever been and continues to rise we are one of the wealthiest people in the world and one of the most anxious are these not signs that are saying there's something about the way we're doing life that isn't bringing abundant life that's not flourishing well Society has come to the point of changing sexual anatomy and gender. People have all kinds of pains and hurts they're trying to figure out. But this is 
This is crazy. I saw a video the other day of an MMA fight where a trans woman, so a male who's transitioning to a woman, fights a woman in a woman's match. It's the highest weight division. This guy is huge and he pulverizes her and then parades around like a champion, taking pride in it. I'm telling you, that is wrong. I mean, if a woman wants to fight a man, that's fine. Let's just call it what it is and let's do that. But like, but let's not pretend and make up things like this and say, no, this is good when it's not good. That's not human flourishing. That's not the shalom that the Bible talks about. It, it's not only not that, but it is going, that revolution is going to destroy Title IX and college athletics. And being a student athlete, that's something I actually care about a little bit. Trans women, men are stealing scholarships that were meant to be there to promote women's equality. But now there's no such thing as women's equality. It's just whatever gender you want to be, I'll be equal. Like, well, how's that going to affect that? This is a hard thing in our society. And people who are experiencing this, I know they're hurting. And I know people who are. So I don't want you to hear me saying that you're unimportant. I don't want you to hear me saying that, that I don't care about you. I do. I care so much that I want you to have human flourishing in life and telling you Jesus is giving you a better way. He's giving you a better way. And it costs everybody something, whether this is the issue or if you're a pathological liar, you have to change. Jesus gives everybody a better way, but everybody is a sinner and everybody has something wrong that they have to change, that they have to repent from and turn from. And that's, that's the hard work of following Jesus. Okay, I'm wrong. I need to do this. Our society has no anchor, no compass. It's adrift at sea in a storm, and we're taking on water. And it's in this context that Jesus says, I have come to give life to the full, that they may have it abundantly. He's giving two different ways of life, clearly. That's what he's saying. He's saying, follow me, walk in my ways. He doesn't mean you're going to be, not have any trouble, not going to be the richest, won't be the biggest social media influencer necessarily. You know, he's not guaranteeing all that. He's saying this is what it means to be human in a right relationship with God, in a right relationship with people, and in a right relationship with his earth. This is what human flourishing looks like. Jesus is said... The Christians were known, Jesus was known as the way, right? He says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. But they're also known as the way. Why? Because they're walking in the way of Jesus. The way that promotes human flourishing. Where the marginalized are cared for. Where the weak and poor are cared for. Where people are loved, even if they're your enemy. Even if you disagree with them. Even if they're not flourishing, you love. And it's a better way to do society. So the good shepherd provides life, but also the good shepherd protects from the enemy. Bad shepherds don't protect, they save themselves. That's what verse 12 tells us. Tells us. They don't really care about the sheep, they're in it for themselves. And so when push comes to shove, they're like, push away for you, shove away for you, and I'll take whatever's mine because I'm not laying down my life for you. But the good shepherd, we're told, sacrifices himself. Sacrifices himself. And, 
and protects and rescues. You understand what's being said here? Jesus is saying, I am the good shepherd and I will run into danger for you. I will run into the face of the lion for you. And more than that, there's two phrases that I want you to really grasp today to come away with. And one of them is in verse 14 and 15. And the phrase that I'm going to give you is this, united. You are united. If you're his sheep, if you know his voice, you are united to Jesus. Notice what it says. I'm the good shepherd. I know my own and my own know me. Just as the comparison here is the father knows me and I know the father. Wait, how well do Jesus and the father know one another? Intimately, deeply. Can that ever be destroyed or separated? No. What is being said here is Jesus is saying to my sheep, I have bound myself to them. As surely as the Father and I are one, I and my sheep, we are bound together. And I will lay my life down for them. I will not leave them nor abandon nor forsake them. We're one. And more than that, you may think, yeah, but, but what, if, what if I've walked away or, or what if... What if Jesus can't hang on to me? Look, he can. He lays down his life by his own accord and he raises up his life. He wrote, he called his shot. He said, I'm going to die. I'm going to rise from the dead. He's talking about it here in chapter 10. He does it. I mean, come on. If that's true, and I believe it is true, but if that's true, that's game changer. But notice what happens in verses 28 and 29. We didn't read this. We didn't get this far. But if we read all the way to the end, you would see this. Jesus says about his sheep, I give them eternal life and they will never perish. And no one, pause on this, no one can snatch them out of my hand. Jesus is like, I got them. Nobody can get them. I got you. You're my sheep. I got you in my hand. And you're like, your hand's big enough because there's a lot of sheep. He goes on in the next verse, in verse 29, and he says, my father who has given them to me, is greater than all, and no one is able to snatch them out of my Father's hand. You got the double grip going on. They got you. You're not going anywhere. You're not getting out of his hands. He is holding you in his hands. But what if I run away? What if I strayed down a different path? The third thing about a good shepherd is he pursues the lost. He chases after you. Verse 16 tells us that Jesus says he's got more sheep that are not of this fold and he must go and pursue them and bring them in also. They will know his voice. Now, of course, he's talking here about gathering sheep when the sheep have been scattered, as we read in Ezekiel. And he's talking about the nations and the, the, from people from every tribe, tongue, and language that he's going to go to and call and will come to him. Now, I, there's something significant about this that we pass over in, in this passage that, that we miss. And even though we're running late, I've got to make a point of this. Um, and it's in verse 22, which we don't have on the screen. But if you have a Bible, you can look at it. I'll read it to you. It says this. Uh, verse 22 says, At that time, this is right at the end of what we just read. At that time, the Feast of Dedication took place at Jerusalem. It was winter. The Feast of Dedication is what is known today as Hanukkah. And I don't know if you know the history of Hanukkah or not, but what Hanukkah is about in the Jewish celebration is celebrating the rededication of the temple that the Maccabean revolt brought about where the enemy had come in and, and sacked Jerusalem and the temple and destroyed it. And for years it had been that way. They, the Maccabean revolt kicked the enemy out and they rebuilt the temple. Um, this is pro get roughly 150 years before Jesus lives, okay? 
and they rebuilt the temple. And so it's this festival, this feast of dedication is, is what the Jews celebrate. It's Hanukkah saying, yes, the enemies have been pushed out and the temple is rebuilt. And Jesus on that very day, in that celebration at the temple, is saying, I came for the enemies. I came for the people of the other nations too. I've got sheep that are not in this fold. Now, can you imagine being a Pharisee there and hearing that and going, what are you talking about? Mm -mm. No, no, we just kicked the enemy out. Like, we're still living on the glory of that. It's about us. It's about Israel. And Jesus is like, no, it's about so much more than that. So much more. He is telling them that he came for people from every nation, tribe, tongue, and language that he will pursue and that his sheep will hear his voice and they will come. He is telling the religious, churchy kinds of people that there are sheep out there that we need to go get. Even when you think they're your enemy. Even when you think they're the enemy. There are sheep to be gathered in, whether that's political enemies, whether that's other nations, whether it's different tribes, if you want to use out-of-banks language, whether you're a pogue or a kook, whether you're a Dutton or a Rainwater, whether you're a Hatfield or a McCoy, Jesus has people from every place. In Luke 15, Jesus tells that story about the sheep that's lost, right? And how he leaves the 99 and he'll go after the one. And he chases the one down, puts them on his shoulders, and it says this, that he joyfully rescues the sheep. Now see, when you are tempted to wander, and when you do wander, and you think, I don't know, I don't know if Jesus can hold me in his hands, I don't know if he's got me or not, and you think, Jesus isn't going to want me because I've blown it, and you think he's going to come stomping after me, drag me back by the collar of my neck, get back over here. And that's not what he does. He joyfully rescues, runs into danger to lay down his life. Because this is the mercy of God that is given to us in Jesus Christ. All of us, me, you, we all need to repent. Repentance is the regular rhythm of the Christian life. I'm not saying get saved over and over again. You get saved and you're saved. You're in Jesus' hands. But repentance, this rhythm, knowing Jesus, listening to his voice, and turning around to follow him. Will you listen to his voice? Will you follow him? Let's pray. Jesus, you are the good shepherd. And we thank you that you laid down your life for the sheep, for us, for me, for people in this room, and for people not in this room. God, would you move us, give us hearts to go after lost sheep, to speak of your word and say, Jesus wants to pursue you, to bring you in. Lord, will you do a great and wonderful and mighty thing in our community? Will you help us when we face hard things in your word about life and what is right and wrong and we don't get it? Help us to recognize it hits all of us and that we all can easily be adrift at sea, wandering from the path that brings abundant life. So Lord, help us to see the beauty of what life following you looks like and to walk in it. We ask in your name, amen.